0: It's the J.T. and Looney podcast, a very special J.T. and Looney podcast. As we go back in the hot tub time machine and talk about our memories, reminisce about our memories of the great John Madden. And we'll eavesdrop on a couple of conversations J.T. had with Brent Musburger. Oh, nothing. Brent Musburger, another voice of five generations. Brent and John Madden go way back to the CBS days. Matt Millen, former Raider, will wax loquaciously about his relationship with John Madden. They were really close. And Phil Villapiano, who was an iconic linebacker in the 70s on those badass Raider teams, will pop in for a couple of minutes to talk about John Madden. It's all powered by Bet Online, back and better than ever. A new web interface. For the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. They're your number one spot for football as well. In addition to the National Basketball Association. You can also bet on UFC and stuff too. Ahead to the new updated desktop or mobile website. And remember you get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just for being friends with the JT and Looney podcast. But you got to use our promo code BELIEVE. Now, this is the Believe Podcast Network. It's spelled B L E A V. Remember that. So the promo code is B L E A V 50. Believe 50 to get your 50% welcome bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC. All your favorite Vegas casino games. Take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 2022 season, all at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. Three,
1: two, and one. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 112. Final podcast, Tom, of 2021. Yeah,
0: it is. And we do it with a heavy heart as an icon of the broadcast industry, an icon of the National Football League and the sport of football in general, an icon in the entire history of video games. The number one selling video game in the world year in and year out is Madden. And you've got far more connections with Madden than I do him with. He is such a a Raider mystique about him in addition to a broadcast mystique and uh, and uh, tell us about your last several days with the raider organization and and morning madden
1: well what's going on with the death of john madden is we all knew how big he was we didn't know exactly when he was going to pass but he's 85 years old and i chose to celebrate his life now we've been doing this a long time so when someone dies in their 20s and 30s or 40s it's tragedy And you take a look at their legacy and we do that. But John Madden lived to 85 and he wasn't seen a lot lately. And people in the back of their mind knew that this day would come. So it was interesting to hear how many people wanted to talk about him. And to begin, it it was a tough couple of days here because in our business, everybody wants us to chase death. Right. And I hate it. I hate it in our business. And I think I'm really good at it. Once I get my head away from the fact that we have to do this, you know, program directors or people or suits saying, well, who are you going to get on or well, what do you got? Like, what are you going to do to cover this? And it's almost like, Hey, pump the brakes. Someone that I know and the people I'm about to interview who know very well just died. It shouldn't be a race who can get him in the a block. Well, who's going to get him in the first six hours. Let it breathe a little bit. A gentleman died who has a wife and two sons and grandkids. So after getting my head around that, you know, we've talked to Brett Musburger and Brent Musburger, who was on this podcast with us and made big news in the past. Brent Musburger was the first guy I reached out to and he got right back to me. And Brent goes back to the early years of CBS. So Brent is one of the most unique people because he was the big name at CBS when Madden came over. So his opinion was so important because he was a big wig as a talent and Madden came in with little to no experience and was raw on steroids. I mean, raw, raw. When Brent told me this, you could tell that this was a guy who wanted to talk about his relationship with John Madden.
2: I got to know John more as a broadcaster than as a coach because, as you know, at CBS, we were covering the NFC more than the AFC, so we really didn't get too involved with the, then Oakland Raiders until playoff time. But John stepped away from coaching and didn't want to fly in airplanes and came to CBS in the late seventies. And we brought him on board as an analyst and overlooked in the development of John as a broadcaster is who we worked with first. Everyone obviously identifies the hall of fame career alongside Pat Summerall, which was, perhaps the greatest team in the, in the history of broadcasting NFL games. But John Madden's first partner is someone who deserves a lot of credit for the development of John, because believe me, John didn't know a monitor from a producer from a TV truck when he came to us. And he broadcasted first with a young man by the name of Gary Bender. And Gary was a very, very giving play-by-play guy, outstanding play-by-play man, actually, from Kansas. He did uh, college basketball for us at CBS, NFL football games, and he really taught John the basics of television. And then I'll never forget at CBS, we had a big meeting involving the general manager and about eight of us regarding where John and who we would work with the next season, because it was quite clear that John was outstanding. John, John had this ability to just communicate with everybody who was watching. It was a a natural ability. He didn't talk down to people. He talked to them. Uh, He developed the obvious great storylines. But we had Vince Scully as a play-by-play man along with Pat Summerall, and there was disagreement within the CBS family as to who John should work with the next year. And it was very, very close in that room. Uh, Van Gordon Soder who was in that, president of CBS, actually wanted to work with Ben Scully, feeling that Scully was the greatest play-by-play man who ever lived, and that John would be a, a great uh, partner of his. But a slight majority in the room said that John would have more airtime if he worked with Summerall. And that's how that marriage came to be. And it uh, it worked out tremendously, because Pat was very giving, and and John had the kind of room that he needed to go boom and develop little sideline stories on the bench and everything. I, I still tell every young broadcaster, J.T., who comes along, go back and get a couple of tapes of John Madden games with Summerall and just sit there and listen, and and you will pick up some tips from John Madden because he did things that most analysts even today uh, fail to do during a broadcast. He was a, he was a natural communicator. So once he saddled up with Summerall, the rest is history. But I'll never forget, we were doing the 1980 Ro- uh, I should say 1980 Super Bowl between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Rams out of the Rose Bowl. And Terry Bradshaw was then the quarterback of the Steelers, Vince Ferragamo for the Rams. And we signed up John and George Allen uh, for the pregame show. And so the three of us went to the rooftop. I uh, topped the, the Rose Bowl, and we had sort of a Jimmy the Greek board in which they talked about the strengths and the weaknesses of the two teams. And and John was just magnificent when he did it, and it was the last time that Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire would work a Super Bowl because John would then team up with, with Pat Summerall. And later on, oh, a couple, two, three years later, we had a, Playoff game in Chicago involving the Bears. I felt sorry for John because he didn't fly. Came back to New York on trains. At that time, he didn't have his private bus. I said, John, I'll go with you. And and so I took a train trip back. And we had a snowstorm. We were delayed in upstate New York. And I don't know and what should have been a day and a half took us two and a half days to get back into uh, New York uh, down below there, at Grand Central. <laughs> And I said, John, I love you, but that's the last train trip I've been taking with you. And uh, he laughed. Also, he was—he was, he was uh, JT. He was a man of the people, and it's interesting to me how many youngsters today identify him with the game more than more than anything else. They play the, the Madden football, and uh, I have so many many warm memories uh, about being John. But he was just—and I'm assuming JT. I'm assuming with the Raiders you know that was a group of rascals back in the day i mean that was that was a hard-living football team that won the super bowl quarterback by ken stabler but i'm assuming his ability to communicate with large audiences was probably the same with individual football players that they just enjoyed being around him and and john wouldn't mind going and and getting right in their face mask and telling them what they had to do to become better football players i just think I think it was an unbelievable communicator and it's a it's a sad sad night because uh certainly there was no indication that he was ill at any time that I'm aware of maybe some other people were and and so the the memories of John uh, JT are going to live on forever
1: Brett Musburger is our guest Brent what I'm fascinated by as you went to multiple networks and found tremendous success John was able to do that also, and you hear today about young broadcasters in politics, a new broadcaster's a hot shot, and then he wants to take a deal and go somewhere else. How was John Madden able to go from network to network and be beloved by all of those network executives, partners, and then transcend those networks and make them all better?
2: You know, John never bigfooted anybody, to tell you the truth. Uh, what you saw is what you got with uh, with John Madden. And I will tell you, though, it would have been, JT, it would have been a one-network experience with John, except that CBS lost the rights to the NFC and Fox took the contract away when Rupert Murdoch wanted to move big time uh, into televising the National Football League uh, with the Fox network. And that's when John made his first move. Uh, over to Fox. So, most most of that initial group of broadcasters who came to Fox, they were our CBS guys who had been there, and there's still many of them, producing and directing games. But, but John's character uh, was that, you know, he just never lorded over anybody. He loved everybody. Uh, you would travel on the bus. I know that Bob Stenner produced him for a long time, uh, we took many, many bus trips with him. And it, John would stop at the roadside, get off the bus, and people of course would hey John Madden, gotta get an autograph. Back in those days there weren't as many cell phones, but uh but John was always pleasant with everybody, with the fans and uh he he was just he was a man of the people and uh and that served him so so very well, JT. You
1: know, Brian, it's fascinating to me because of the roots with Al Davis. And if you look at the connection Mm -hmm. of Al Davis, I'm looking at a picture with Coach Madden and Bill Walsh and all the legends. And then you find out that he consulted with Bill Parcells almost daily or weekly. And he had the radio show, as you know, in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Then Belichick talks about him as one of the icons, and he thinks Belichick's an icon on the documentary. Coach Madden, a father, a grandfather, a great husband, he spent a lot of time. Can you share with this consulting and talking to football minds and young coaches and especially broadcasters who all looked up to him and wanted to be someone that they could look and ask him questions, and he always seemed to have time for everyone, Brett.
2: No, that is absolutely true. And uh, people, other coaches, would give them John's phone number and uh, say, hey, listen, give, give John a call. He'd love to talk to you. And even though he didn't know them, they would would call John out of the blue, and and he would spend a lot of time uh, talking to the young coach. Always, always available. But you mentioned a name that deserves a lot of credit uh, for the success of John Madden, and that's Al Davis. Let us not forget that Al was in his prime uh, when he puts John in charge of the Raiders, and they go on to play in many AFC championship games and break through and win the Super Bowl but believe me there wasn't a day in the office of the Raiders that Al Davis wasn't talking football with John Madden you and I know that uh for a fact and so it was that relationship John was able to get along well with Al and and never never fought him when he had certain ideas and wanted to do certain things with the team and and took it and used it to his advantage but then later on it was John who passed on the same kind of knowledge to other young coaches and even, the, and even then broadcasters who would, uh, who would get in touch with him. But uh, what, what the young broadcaster should do now is get a videotape of, of a couple of the games that John Madden broadcast and, and listen to how he did it, uh, when he talked, how he used the monitor to his advantage, uh, didn't speak without knowing exactly what had gone on on the field John's one of the few broadcasters who understood that the camera sees a lot more than the naked eye. John knew that because he was a great coach, and he would wait until he saw the All-22 after a game before he made decisions about what had gone on on the field. Uh, What you think you see, sometimes you really don't see, and John Madden understood that better than anybody.
1: Brent Musburger, as we wrap it up. Brent, one more football coaching question. I think some of the young fans have no idea how many big games he lost working for Al Davis and how demanding Mr. Davis was, and then having to go back to the championship game, always go back to the playoffs and never win the big one until they broke through in the '76 season and won the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl XI in 77. You could imagine, because he waited too long to become a Hall of Famer. I really thought that was a massive mistake by the Pro Football Hall of Fame until he finally got in. But think of those games where his teams were probably better and they lost to the team in the AFC that went on to easily win the Super Bowl, the Steeler battles, what happened early on with the Jets, all those great rivalry games where Coach Madden, fair to say, could have had three or four Super Bowls on his own instead of one, and he was still a Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, exactly, JT, and he should have been a Hall of Famer immediately. but, But it speaks, I think it speaks, how good John Madden was that Al Davis didn't overreact on any of those championship game yes. losses. Uh, in other words, he kept John because he knew what he had, and that's that speaks to Al Davis's uh, intuition about about John. Madden. The the one game that John Madden never forgot, to tell you the truth, because he talked a lot to me about it, was the Franco Harris game. Uh, John always thought that that ball hit the ground and uh, that it should have been an incomplete pass when he lost that game uh, to the Steelers that day. It was, it was the one time. John never lamented the other tough losses that they had. He never complained about anything, but he always talked about that play to me when we reviewed the, uh, the great contest. And, of course, that was such a great Steeler team uh, back in the day, coached by Chuck Knoll, it's one of the greatest rivalries in the history of the NFL. Uh, but John, John was able to overcome it, and then, as you say, you know, they went on and, and they won the Super Bowl. And you know, your dear friend Fred Bolitnikoff, uh, one of the great players, one of the greatest receivers of all time, uh, was on that. And you can go, but if you go take a look at that defensive team for the Raiders, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the problems that John Madden had to deal with with that group of rascals, and he brought them home. And, and they finally won the Super Bowl for the Raiders. A magnificent moment. And the other thing about him, uh, which, which I think says a lot about John, and it's the picture that most of us never forget about him on the sideline, is he always had the sideline pass, the game pass attached to his belt. mean, he's John Madden. I mean, he, did, he didn't need a credential to get on the field, but knew who he was. Back. Now, John wanted that credential right there so that when he came to the gate, Everybody knew he was legal, and he had his credential. I can still see it flying in the wind at the Oakland Coliseum, and so can you, my friend. <laughs>
1: thank you, Brent. Really appreciate you doing this on an emotional night. Thank you so much for your friendship. What you mean to us, the Raider Nation, all of our listeners, thank you again, and I'll see you uh, pretty soon here for a Raider game. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, J.J.
1: So you know, after you hear that, Tom, you understand that Brent Musburger, who's 82 or 83, and John Madden died at 85. Their careers as broadcasters transcended the world of sports. And everybody looks at Madden as he's as good as anybody who's ever done this before.
0: Well, it's amazing how both with Brent Musburger and John Madden, they are not only the voice of a generation, they're a voice of several generations. Yeah. And they remind, you know, and it's a joyful, it's a joyful moment for anybody when they get to hear the voice of john madden or brett musburger or meet them in person because it's like thank you for my childhood thank you for the great memories because they were there describing the uh, the memories of a lifetime to us they were usually there right there in a booth right there with a the microphone so eloquently uh eloquently in, in brent's way and over the top and a great he was as big in life as a physical person as he was as a personality uh not only in sports and Miller Lite commercials and video games and basically mastered whatever new craft he ventured into after coaching
1: also what's fascinating to me is I got I was not very close with John Madden I only met him a handful of times been on the field with him a few times shook his hand he would know who I am and I obviously know the icon John Madden but I'm much closer as you know with Tom Flores And I'm so close to a lot of his players, Fred Belitnikoff, who is so important in my life. And George Atkinson, who started me in radio as I hosted the pre and post game with him. And all of his players that I met over the years, Cliff Branch before he died, the snake Ken Stabler. I emceed his Hall of Fame party after the snake passed away. And Coach Madden spoke in Oakland as I was on the field in front of 55,000 fans about his relationship with the snake. But... I didn't know him well because he wasn't around a lot. And he talked to Al Davis and then Mark Davis and Mrs. Davis, but he wasn't around a lot. So I didn't get a chance to buddy up with him and be buddy, buddy. And that's fine. You can't meet everybody in life. But I was taught by so many of these iconic players about how important Coach Madden was to them that I felt like I knew him better. And when Matt Millen came on the radio with me, one of Matt Millen did not play for John Madden. And Matt mm-hmm. Millen won four Super Bowls, and he won one with Tom Flores. What was great about Matt is Matt came in, and a lot of people thought he was going to be the next John Madden right. as a broadcaster. Similarities, boom! You know the way they look, big guys. And Matt told me this about Coach Madden that really got to me. You know, I had
2: I had a lot more conversations with John about life than I did with my dad. My dad was was older. You no, know, my my pop died when he was ninety five. You know, he raised uh, he had we had eleven kids, and so he he worked he worked hard, and you know, put everybody got everybody raised, and and then by the time when I was ready to kind of sit under his his uh, teaching, he, Pop was gone, and then then John John was there, and so I kind of hung on to John, and I learned a lot from him, and so he was, he was John was probably the central figure for me. Uh, just in terms of, you know, kind of a mentor. My wife says that to me all the time, and I I think she's right.
1: So I thought that was important to hear from a real tough football player, a guy yeah. who you know would throw down with anybody, and you could tell that this guy was the most important person, arguably, in his life.
0: Yeah, and coaches do not not just John Madden. Coaches do fill a great void for uh, for young guys whose fathers die young or whose fathers uh, go off for a pack of cigarettes and never come home. Those stories are are often way too abundant or go off, go off and fight a war and never come back home. And, um, and, And coaches were a huge impact in my life for that reason. And obviously for Matt Millen too, it's beautiful to hear.
1: And the first two people we talked about here is Brent Musburger and Matt Millen, who I think are brilliant broadcasters, the final gentleman I talked to is one of his greatest players, Phil Villapiano, the legendary linebacker who also won a Super Bowl. That Super Bowl XI played a big role in it, had a massive play early in the game on defense, a goal line stand that turned over a fumble that the Raiders were covered. And it changed the whole pace of that Super Bowl. And the Raiders blew out the Vikings in that game. But Phil has appeared on NFL Network more than any other Raider because he's a character, and he could tell drinking stories and Madden stories and snake stories. So he's part of the history of NFL Network. And when I was wrapping up my conversation, I was able to tell Phil about how I learned so much about Coach Madden because Phil on television was that portal for me. I love
2: you for saying that because I know I you're feeling for the Raiders. I know you're feeling for John Madden and Al Davis and Mark Davis and everybody else. It you know, and I love to hear you say that. I'm glad I, I'm glad I gave you a little insight onto the coach because he was beautiful. And JT, Let's let's you know let the let the let the dust settle a little bit. Maybe maybe we get a group of guys and we tell Madden stories all night.
1: Take care, Phil. All the best. Thank you for doing this. CJ. CJT. There he is, Phil Villapiano. What a legend! What a great player! What a storyteller! Arguably, arguably the greatest Raider storyteller of all time. One of their great players, great player, and a guy who could tell stories and had the legacy of going on NFL Network. Whenever you're watching NFL Network and you look up, I don't care what day of the year it is, what documentary it is, one of them is going to be a Raider documentary, and you're going to see Phil as the star of it because he knew how to tell the Madden stories and the Al Davis stories as good as anyone. We appreciate Phil Villapiano for joining us. So those conversations were really important, Tom, because I was chasing death. I had to go find guys who can talk about a guy who died. Right. I had to be very delicate on booking them because some of them, you know, wanted to take a day. And then I had to put these shows together for the fans. And even on this podcast, people who really care about John Madden because he was so (coughs) iconic and have these conversations. So it's going to take a couple of days for me to let it sink in on how important he was to america but i got a pretty good feeling i know already he was one of the all-time greats in multiple aspects of his life
0: He transcend, transcended sports he transcended sports into pop culture video games commercials uh, people and he was one of those you know it's a rare breed that can bring people howard cosell had that some others have but very few have it where they can bring people into the sports department that don't normally enjoy sports Brought people into football, taught people a lot about football. People don't like to be on the outside looking in. And people who don't have the sports gene and aren't always into sports always feel a little bit left out when the conversation turns to sports or when there's a football game on and you're the only one in the house that doesn't understand the game. John Madden was able to sometimes bring that person into the fold. People love when they're brought into the sports fold, when they feel like they're left out. And John Madden was able to do that for people.
1: What I find most fascinating is this. If you saw the documentary Bravo by Fox for putting out all. Yes. What great timing, great timing. They got it out and they obviously knew coach Madden was on the back couple of holes of his life, but they got it done and coach Madden was able to see it and reportedly really liked it. But to be great in so many things, And to be such a common person and to be so humble is my big lesson. He never changed. He never changed with the hundreds of millions of dollars received from the video game empire, the Super Bowl ring, the Hall of Fame. John Madden was on the Hall of Fame ballot his first year that he could be on. And then he said they forgot 20 years later. I didn't hear a peep. And they made him wait so long to 2006 that the broadcasting helped him. Get in It reminded everybody how great he was, but he should have right. been in first ballot. Quickest coach ever to 100 wins. Greatest winning percentage of all time still. All of that lined up, and they made Coach Madden wait, and it never changed him. It didn't affect the broadcasts. It didn't affect the video game empire as business. It didn't affect him as a human being. Many people would have been bitter, and they would have changed, and they would have had mood swings and all that. And everybody to a man says that he was the common guy. He'd pull the bus over the Madden Cruise in Iowa, talk to a dairy farmer, right? He'd get to a city, talk to a doorman. He'd talk to a bartender. The short order cook in Iowa, he would sit and talk. He wanted to know who they were. And that is such, Tom, and impressive. You're a great communicator. That is really hard to do for most people.
0: It is hard to do for most people, not necessarily coaches, though. That is something that their leaders, they really are truly interested in people's lives and changing people's lives and being aspirational figures, or they wouldn't have become coaches. And that that was absolutely uh, the way he was. And what's also interesting there that you mentioned, he evolved in life. He didn't he didn't spend one minute talking about what he used to be or used to be doing he didn't exchange himself for an image of himself I and mean, that happens to a lot of people i always say it probably makes you a little uncomfortable It's happened to pete rose was saying i am baseball no you're pete and if he and if he never there's no you don't have to don't worry about the hall of fame and john madden you know why he wasn't worried about the hall of fame he had new things to do he was succeeding in a new industry. He was a broadcaster now. Oh, yeah, I used to do that. It'd be nice to get some accolades, but I'm not going to sit around and talk about what I used to do. And that and that probably helped him out. But don't forget, youngest coach to 100 wins as well. Not only quickest,
1: youngest. And how about the fact that Al Davis, the man who inducted more Hall of Famers than anyone, inducts him and then Madden comes up with this phrase. It's so genius that when the lights go out and the final person walks out of that hall of fame, bust room, all the busts talk to each other. Every hall of famer has mentioned that since they got in the hall of fame, right? That's credited to Madden. And it it really makes sense. You can believe it now because the storyteller, John Madden says, yeah, the lights go out. And then all the bus start talking in the middle of the night. And Franco is talking to Howie Long and Vince Lombardi's talking to George <laughs> Allen. And they're all having conversations. But the way Madden told it, you would believe it. And, you know, the success of the Raiders in the 70s, really youngsters who are listening to the podcast, or if you share it with, with younger people in your life, people don't remember how gut-wrenching those losses were. To lose oh. that many great playoff games in the 70s, you don't fire the coach, and you always bring up when the Chargers fired Marty Schottenheimer. Right. right? Yeah. Well, Al Davis never got rid of John Madden. How could you? The team was great. They were, they were getting beat by the legendary Steelers, right. the undefeated 72 Dolphins. Uh, Joe Namath and the Jets were one of the early teams that got through the Raiders. You look at all these teams that took out the Raiders in the 60s into the 70s, and finally they broke through and it is one of the greatest gorilla monkey off your back stories in sports history that I don't think enough people talk about. And I don't think they spent enough time with it on the documentary. They should have spent a little more time on how tough it was for Madden to win until he broke through.
0: And not only that, how he was able to raise the popularity of their brand by taking out dots. I was cheering for the Raiders so hard to beat those Dolphins who, see, who, who, who were destined for another Super Bowl win until the snake hit Clarence Thomas, juggling that ball in the end zone long before our time and also taking out the Pittsburgh Steelers finally so and getting to a Super Bowl. They had to take down iconic, legendary, legacy teams in order to get their Lombardi trophies.
1: As a broadcaster, as we're talking about the legendary life of John Madden, I talked to Fred Godelli, who's the longtime executive, I think 24 Emmys. I'll double check. So he was with ABC, Monday Night Football, and then he was moved with Coach Madden to Sunday Night Football. So Coach Madden went from CBS to Fox to ABC, ESPN, and to NBC. Think of that for a second. Let that sink in. Right. Mostly when broadcasters leave it's all drama. It's now TMZ. It's all over your phone. Right. An ego. I'm holding out for money. I want more. I'm not going to come back and work. Madden was able to go from the biggest job to the biggest job on all of those networks and pull it off. And I asked Fred about this, who is one of the all time greats. And there was no wake of destruction behind him. His guys came with him. Right. So the CBS guys ended up at Fox. You saw that because you knew these guys, David yeah, yeah. Hill and Ed Goren. You worked at Fox for a long time. So, you know, that they in order to start Fox for Rupert Murdoch in football, they went out and they shot the biggest barrel gun. They said, we need Summerall and Madden. So they brought them over and they took those guys from CBS they were comfortable working with. And Fox's David Hill said, now we're legit. We don't even have a studio. We don't have a broadcast yet. But we're coming in big with those names. I love that about Madden's not coaching tree, TV coaching tree, which I find remarkable.
0: Incredible. And Eric Shanks too, now the president yeah. at Fox was which was one of my original producers at the best damn sports show, period, and great guy. He comes from that Madden broadcast tree. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and when the Fox Network with it we're for forever, it was just NBC, ABC, CBS. Fox decided to call themselves a network and built the network on the Simpsons and married with children. But they still needed, you know, a crown jewel, which is considered sports in, in order to legitimize your network. They didn't have as many affiliates as NBC, CBS or ABC. So they were lucky to get it. And it's amazing they were able to pull it off. And you can pull off things when you've got the talent of John Madden. And, you know, when you're a great color commentator, you're number two. There's the play-by-play guy who's number one. You're the color commentator. You're number two. It takes a certain talent to be a great number two. And he was able to do it with no matter whom was calling the game, whether it was Pat Summerall, Al Michaels. He was able to slide in and do his thing.
1: And Madden's last game was a game you often talk about. (sighs) Steelers-Cardinals, Super Bowl Forty Three. Roethlisberger throws the corner out. One of the greatest catches of all time, Santonio Holmes, Harrison, one of the great Super Bowls of all time. They all sucked before that. And Madden called so many great games. But to have that as his going out party and as Al Michael said, you didn't hear anything. No fanfare. Just John a couple of months later retired because he was a humble guy. And he had a wife and his sons and his grandkids waiting back in Pleasanton, a video game empire. And as we found out this week, Tom, which is really fascinating, that. With all the work he's done on the competition committee and the rules committee, he was involved every week that a lot of fans didn't know. He was on every conference call. Gil Brandt said, you know, he's going to miss his every week conversation. He's on the Hall of Fame conference call. He's talking to the commissioner. He's talking to Eric Shanks when he's putting together the Fox schedule for next year, asking Coach Madden what are the best games we should look at. He's talking to Peter King. He's talking to Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, and most importantly, Mark Davis, who doesn't get enough respect in this. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders now, who just happened to move a franchise to the entertainment capital of the world. And they consult all the time because, as you know, the Raiders went through hell and back to get to Vegas. Right. And John Madden was the overseer of so many conversations with so many icons and people trying to find their way in this sport. Man, it would be great to be known for that. Wouldn't it be great to know that at the end of the night, there was 10 or 15 people trying to talk to you every day about the biggest decisions they are about to make in life or in business. And they wanted to run their last question by you because you were going to be the most important answer to their really complex question.
0: And it wasn't for a paycheck. It was to be good. The, The most important thing we can all be good at is helping others. And that's what we find out and especially find out through the great documentary is that's what he was really good at as well, helping others. And it wasn't always for a paycheck.
1: Oh, and one more geeky thing. Cause you're like, you like radio and TV. Yes, sitcom. I have one too. And my name's on the podcast, so I can make it about me a little right. bit. Um, <laughs> you know, when you ever get into a pre-production meeting for an NFL game, I've done that many times, but for preseason games, I'm on the preseason broadcast as a sideline reporter Mm -hmm. for well over a decade with the Raiders. And whenever you go into those meetings, you sit down with the actual head coach and they send in the actual quarterback. Now, Madden started that to a degree. Broadcasters before Madden walked on the field or maybe saw the coach or whatever, but Madden was the guy who really reinvented how you prep for a game. That now every single broadcaster on every network will do forever. The pre-production. College
0: and pro now they do that.
1: Absolutely. They put on the film. Madden made it clear that you, you were doing a game with him. And no matter, he had all the great producers in the history of football. Literally the best producers and directors ever were part of the Madden team. And they all learned with their notebook, either on the bus or the train or in that city or in that you know, Hyatt or Hilton conference room the night before the game as Madden sat in front of Brett Favre and sat in front of the head coach, how to take notes, how to listen, what to look for tendencies that it would go to the broadcast. And he gets credit for that too which is wow. fucking incredible now that every broadcaster broadcasters who aren't born right now tom 30 years from now are going to be sitting in the national championship game and the night before they're going to be sitting down with the new nick saban going all right coach let's go through this and that and that was mad
0: not realizing who set up the entire concept of that and more people should go out like that i you know you know i've always made fun of sports retirement uh press conferences over the years found them incredibly narcissistic and cliched maybe the worst one ever was brett Favre's, where he was crying and crying's okay but the cliches they say all good things must come to an end and then three weeks later he's playing for the jets you know? <laughs> and Then the vikings yes it was, oh, come on and so he didn't do a second one but vin scully who of course uh you lose, you lose an fcc license If you say anything negative about Ben Scully or imply anything, but uh, we are not under the auspices of the FCC. You know, when he left broadcasting, incredible legend from the Brooklyn Dodgers to the L.A. Dodgers, called Dodger games for seven decades. He made sure he retired during the regular season because. This is for humble reasons, of course. He didn't want his. He didn't want to be the center of attention on his last game if it was a playoff game or a World, World Series game. No, he didn't. He didn't want his his career to end like Madden, where you didn't know it was your last game. So he did it ahead of time to bring more attention to himself. That's not what Madden did. He just he might have known, but the rest of us didn't. And that's kind of the way to. That's another. It goes to show you too. He didn't over identify with what he did. And if you over identify with What you do, it takes away from who you are because you're not what you do. And that's really cool about how he retired, just called his last game, but didn't tell anyone it was going to be his last game. And even more importantly, to the, the call back to the Hall of Fame, where he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer and he never made a big deal about it. And he got in when he got in because he was the new broadcaster in town, not the old coach that used to be.
1: Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because one of these podcasts along the way, many of them, which have been like many therapy sessions for me. Right. And you listen and, you know, people who have been downloading it, who've reached out to us. You know, I've looked at my career and my life as a broadcaster and, you know, it pales in comparison. And sometimes I think I'm the best at what I've ever done right now. And you think of John Gruden and you think right. of what happened to him recently and how great of a broadcaster he was. I started with him. I was one of the first people ever to talk to him on TV when he became the head coach. He didn't know what camera to look at. Literally. Wow. wow. Didn't know. And then he turned out to be the highest paid at the time broadcaster on ESPN when he did Monday night football. And I go, wow, that's real. And coach Gruden really close with coach Madden, very close. And then you think of John Madden starting from scratch, right? Literally coming into these Bob Costas games where they're trying to figure it out and you go, man, he became the greatest, arguably, Of all time. And in a small way, I relate it to me when I came into the business. I was a stockbroker. I won the smack off with Jim Rome and had no idea I'd get into broadcasting. Right. And 25 years later, every day I'm wondering, you know, when is this going to happen next? I want to do this next. What's the next job going to be? When is that phone call going to come? And it's all about being humble. The best of the best all have the same story. Of course, there's some guys who are cutthroat and bastards behind the scenes. Right threw someone under the bus. But the best that I've known are the people that take every blow in stride, every knock down the ladder, and they come back better. And they grow, and they treat people the right way along the journey, good times and bad times. And I think that should be the ultimate legacy as a broadcaster from Madden is the amount of people he touched in his coaching tree, from the strangers that ended up coming onto the set and ended up being his associate producers, to the guys, like you said, Shanks, who are running Fox Sports, to all these people, he had an influence in all their lives, and he was never a broadcaster, never dreamed of being a broadcaster, didn't want to be a broadcaster, but knew if he turned the first job down, it might never come back again, and he took the shot. He took the shot and said, they might not come back to me if I turn this opportunity down at CBS. It's go time, and he turned out to be the GOAT.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times yeah, that's a great lesson for life as well about turning down offers that might not come around a second time. And you and I have both talked to you know, colleagues who were fumbling through ideas of whether or not to do something and their wife doesn't want them to do it. And we were the one whispering in the air saying, you got to do it because if you turn them down the first time, they might not come back a second time. And you know, not everybody gets that of course gets that opportunity in life most of the things that john madden was ever offered people would <laughs> people would take in on the blink of an eye but he had options because of his talent his brains and his previous success and his bank account
1: john madden rest in peace
0: and now lucy and ricky and jt and i would like to take a moment to talk to you about chesterfield cigarettes no light box diamonds i saw the movie being the ricardo's god it was good But anyway, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. And next year in 2022, they'll be the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle. They've created the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price. $800 per carat. I love that line. They've cracked the science of sparkle. I love that. They have the same chemical makeup as natural diamonds at Lightbox, grown in a lab. And because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, classic white. She'll love it, or he'll love it, depending on who you're kissing. We don't care. We love you for listening, and we love you just the way you are, as Billy Joel said back in the 70s, long before my time. Lightbox lab grown Diamonds are the gift that he or she or they'll never want to take off price so they won't have to they really do make an outfit sparkle you gotta see them visit lightboxjewelry.com add some sparkle to your shopping lightboxjewelry.com Lightbox diamonds never a dull moment and now back to our regularly scheduled podcast
1: i didn't want to do one of those top 10 stories of 2021 that's right podcast Is like all year we Um. just talked about what was on our mind and found time to be friends and be with each other and show up for the podcast so i'm really excited about that going forward into the new year but you know when it comes to sports it's the second year not yet total but it's the second year and most of it in covid yeah so the story becomes still every day when i go on the radio or host this podcast with you or Do whatever I do. COVID somewhere in the background, a bowl Mm -hmm. game, canceling the Olympics with no fans. Oh my God. What's going to pause. Hockey's going to pause. Oh, wow. You can believe this, that you could be vaccinated. Now all of a sudden get COVID. So athletes are like, I'm double vaccinated. I just got COVID. And that'll be the number one story again. The are great individual moments like Giannis winning the title and Tampa Bay lightning, winning the cup and all these great storyline. The Atlanta Braves was fascinating to be a dead last team. Pretty much a team that had no chance win the world series, we can go on and on and on. Yeah. But I think the backdrop is how these athletes and entertainers worked for us to continue the ones who all opted to in. try to give us
0: a sense of normalcy in our
1: lives. <laughs> Isn't that the biggest story of the year in sports? Absolutely. guys, Guys showing up.
0: Guys showing up. Guys going into bubbles. Uh, which I know wasn't 2021, but the you know, guys who went into, you know, that, that was a, uh, some of them didn't, of course. And some people say, hey, it, uh, uh, both uh, with, with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Los Angeles Lakers, teams that won championships during the pandemic had guys that didn't want to come along for the ride and didn't want to entertain us. And then they got to, they had to watch their teams win rings and hoist trophies. So, uh, but but we have to emphasize the guys who did it for us. And as you mentioned this, you know, uh, my uh, my other job now is as a news anchor. And last weekend, it, it, it flipped, it was a complete 180 once again. All the stories were COVID related, even the sports stories were, co- only the weather in Los Angeles wasn't COVID related. Every other story had some kind of COVID element to it whether it was you know, people hopping on the road and going to grandmother's house or not being able to get to grandmother's house because flights are canceled because pilots have COVID and breakthrough cases and games being canceled. Or or how about a game being played? The Nets and the Lakers are going to be able to squeeze it in because the Nets have eight guys, the minimum, that are going to be able to play on Christmas Day. Bowl games canceled. And uh, UCLA and USC's basketball games were canceled. So it, it is – uh once again as the year closes out it's back to the number one story
1: it is and it's divided the country more and more we have a 61 percent going to 62 vaccination rate for the whole country which to me is very low i thought that number would be higher it's over 200 million americans will stay here in america with a wink and a nod to our global downloaders but we're here with the amount of people who did it but we just i talked to my buddy kenny today one of my best friends i grew up in massapequa and he's a grinder he works in the liquor business and he's got to take the train every day into manhattan and he gets out at penn station and it's been everything from a ghost town to crime and he comes up to penn station sees the city he's seen a lot of interesting stuff because he's been going in to the right. belly of the beast to work because the alcohol business flourished during covid everyone's right. sitting at home they want to drink more and he just said as we were talking about humanity and what's life like and he said, there's just not enough people on board. I mean, there's a lot of people on board, hundreds of millions, but not everybody's into it. Not everybody is getting into it. There's too many people divisive. There's a fair amount of people that have their reasons not to be vaccinated. There are people that are going to do the two shots, but they're not going to do the booster. And it's just a shame because if you want to compare this, and I don't think we should compare it to World War One or two, or maybe you think we should. Well, you can
0: compare it to polio. Everyone got the polio vaccine and polio went away.
1: But for whatever reason, that's not going to happen. And that will never change in this country because we're so divided now. Uh, Cable news has a lot to do that. One is extremely to one side, the other to the other side. That there are so many people getting their news from different outlets and they're being told to doubt everything. And maybe there are a lot of people listening now saying, thank God we doubt things. I don't want to put a third shot in my arm. I don't want to have to do my fourth shot. And I get all that. And for me personally, this takeaway this year, and I hope I get something out of it, was I was really divisive with other people because it was so divisive with me on all this shit. It it just couldn't be. Here's what I think. I'm I'm just a sports talk host. I got vaccinated because I want to do my part. I have older parents. I want to see my sisters and my nieces and nephews. So I'm going to do it. And then, boom, not a few, you know, a couple of people come at you. And they always put in your face that what you're doing is radically political or it's this or that. And I was never able to turn down that noise this year. And it t- for me, it got worse and worse throughout the year. Maybe because I engage too much. Maybe it's because I think about it too much. And I never come out of this bubble of having a headset on, but man, there was some low moments for me this year, dealing with people who were just so loud, so brash, so rude in regards to their opinions that could have been different than mine.
0: Right. And I think there has been a a WWE, WWFization of a political discourse in this country where we can't have a conversation about ideas in the marketplace. I got to crush you. Oh, Looney crushed JT with that opinion. Oh, JT knocked Looney out with that opinion. And everyone uses boxing and World Wrestling Federation jargon to describe political debates and that's not what it should be and when it comes I, I the number one thing that we kept coming back to when it came to vaccines was about that it wasn't about ourselves for you and me we have old people in our life but we kept wondering don't doesn't everybody have old people in their life there's a story in la right now divided family who's and some of them want to ring each other's necks because uh, g- mom who was 96 grandma who was 96 lived with family who were anti-vaxxers and now grandma's dead and grandma was a pretty healthy 96 and the p- half of the family that got a vaccination the other half that didn't are at war with each other and when everybody in the entire family probably should have got a vaccine so the 96 year old didn't die and people are too busy thinking about politics or themselves. And we have to think, you know, when this first started, I talked to you about how Americans after World War One, had two meals instead of three because Europe was starving. And after World War Two, same thing. Americans had two meals instead of three so we could feed Europe. I guess we don't have that team. You, know, you and I, you came from rugby. I came from football and everything we do. And bringing it back to John Madden, everything he did was about a team effort. And that's one thing you learned about John Madden and the documentary, and now that you hear people talking about his his life, is it's all about a team effort. And the people you and I have worked with over the years, and we never had a staff. We just worked with people. And because you came from rugby and I came from football, and the people who were our best coworkers were people who came from football and understood the team concept. And that's the way we have to go with the virus. As a team, an American team, human race team and we have to and put the politics aside it's just
1: about health do you have a raccoon in your house or is that a cat it, like <laughs> a it really yeah. looked initially <laughs> we got to do more video in our podcast we, we do for that as we <laughs> That's the word in, in broadcasting we evolve yes. uh, we'll have more of a, a video element to this you know this year also with the arts and movies i saw a lot of concerts I did see a lot of concerts.
0: Yes. After yeah. things
1: were almost
0: normal for a while, you got back to concert. Going. Yeah. And
1: even when things weren't that normal, I was going in, I was going, oh, okay. In. Yeah. I went. I went to a lot of concerts, Rolling Stones journey, Garth Brooks, Carrie Underwood with the wife, a whole nice. bunch of other shows. And, you know, I looked at COVID and I said, well, I'm vaxxed up. I'm going to go in there. Did and, you
0: do the lady Gaga before or after COVID?
1: That was interesting. That was new year's last year. Oh, so wow. we're right there. Okay. Yeah. It was actually almost a year away. But I hope we have a year this year with the masks and come off because I don't uh, see how they're going to come off in the near future because of the numbers with Omicron. Matter of fact, we're going to have
0: to get the better masks. And Omicron's like the leaping frog of Calaveras County. Uh, this this Omicron is is able to jump. It's like measles. It's able. You know, it's jumping from one healthy person to another. Fortunately, not as damaging for the vaccinated. But this Omicron's a jumper.
1: Absolutely. And I want to, I want to, I'm happy. I have wasn't on an airplane this year and witnessed a fight with everyone taking out their phones. I don't Oh, look it. at the fight. Look at the woman who's diving over two rows, punching some guy in the face or <laughs> Uh, the flight attendant that's getting pulled to the ground and all that. All that? You put away your phone and help push. out the flight attendant. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> once it, once it's in the air, once it's in the air, all you can do is just tackle people and put tape around them. How many right. times this year did you watch the evening news and see someone with electrical tape? With tape duct tape. Are we, now, where are they getting this? <laughs> right. Do they have the duct tape back there where they have the, the cookies? Is that where, is? No, where they have all the cocktails that you're not allowed yeah, to have. Okay. All the, okay. the premium drinks, but... On top of that, I just want to wish everybody a happy New Year because this was an interesting year. A lot of people come through New Year's and they watch the ball drop and they go, "Oh, I'm so fucking happy this year's over. I don't want to see it again." Well, this country's done it for the last two New Years coming up here, and I think a lot of goods come out of it. Friendships, yes, with friends and whatever happened in your career. If you had a kid, if you have a new partner, if you have a new life, a new job. Hopefully, there's a lot of good that came out of it because the media and the news was so bad. And every generation says that. Well, Vietnam. Right.
0: And remember, as a news guy, good news doesn't sell. And there's too much. you got to report the news. And a lot of times, if it bleeds, it leads. You can't always do the chicken soup for the soul story when you have to warn people about COVID.
1: Yes, and for all the celebrities that passed away and all the regular people, the non-celebrities. Right. That's yes. what I also learned about COVID. I don't care if an athlete didn't get COVID because he's not vaccinated. I care still about that 63 year old woman who works in a school and works in the kitchen and she got COVID and she passed away. She's the same human being as a 23 year old basketball player who's in great shape and doesn't have to worry about COVID because he's in a great, in great shape. Every human being deserves decency and empathy a lot of people were lost again this year yeah we've been positive on this talking about different aspects of our life i just hope that as we sit here next year on new year's eve or the day before new year's eve on the 30th that our masks are off and we've gotten a way to get on and get out of this COVID and get back to a little bit more normalcy because hey everybody it hasn't been normal it hasn't been normal for 22 plus months And we're all fighting through it and happy we have this podcast and this family to talk about it with
0: and we both agree rather than curse the darkness light a candle wow do i know how to put a button on a podcast or do i know how to put a button on a podcast i reminded myself of saint thomas aquinas right there he always knew how to put a button on a philosophical wax Can't believe you've listened to all fifty-seven minutes and two seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. You win the Michael Ryan Award. Thank you for listening. And remember, the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I guess now it's Bet Online where the game starts. Nevertheless, the most important thing, more important than their image line, is that you go to Bet Online and bet on stuff because they're they're our sponsor.